Pass the Tabasco, please. Thank you. Hi. What are you reading? A book about metals. Is it interesting? Yeah. What do you do? What do I do? Yeah. I'm a salesman. I sell swimming pools. Stress fractures in titanium? What does that have to do with sales? Maybe why are you so interested in what I read and what I do? Well, I work in print, and those color reproductions are very unusual. And if you don't want to talk to me, that's all right. I mean, I'm sorry I asked. What are they? What are what? These plates. They're printed by Rotogrip Europe. My name is Edie. Patrick. Patrick Selenko. Three, two, one, ready. Hello, and welcome to Piloting Air, the podcast about unaired, unloved, and unhinged pilots. I'm Joe Young, and let me tell you, if something happens to him, I'm coming for you, and I am double the worst trouble you ever thought of. It's Stuart! How you doing? Hey, I am so thrilled to be here. This is a really exciting uh, episode for us. Me too. This is going to be a huge one. And today we have two very special guests. Two guys who have never felt the heat coming around the corner. From Pumpkin Spice Podcast, it's Graham Young. How are you doing, Graham? Welcome back. It's great to be back, Joe. Great to see you, Stuart. Yeah, you too, Graham. It's been a long time. (laughs) And also joining us today is probably the returning champion of champions. I think he's been on here as many times as Stuart and I. Co-host of Pumpkin Spice Podcast, Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure, Vanderpump Rob's, and too many other projects to mention, it's Rob Schulte. What's up, Rob's? Hello. I think you are forgetting, forget, forgetting, who am I, Joe Young? Forgetting to mention that I also produced Rob Lowe's podcast. Literally? Hey, I thought I wasn't allowed to say that. <laughs> Are you prepared to make a donation? To the DNC in 1994? (laughs) Maybe. Exactly. You got it. You got my reference. I no longer work for Team Coco, so you can say whatever you want. And this is a very special episode, not only because we have our very good friends here, not only because it is our third season finale, and not only (laughs) because we are recording on Friday the 13th in October. But because most of the time we watch like one-off projects and that's it. But tonight we're watching a failed TV pilot that became a very successful and classic movie because we watched L.A. Takedown. That's right. This is the progenitor of one of the greatest movies of all time, directed by the same director, Michael Mann. Heat. Mm. Same director as what? Same director as L.A. Takedown and Heat. 
He directed both of them. Oh. Writer and director. Writer and director. I would have never have guessed. Me and Graham, when we, we, we watched this, we were trying to brainstorm what other movies have been remade entirely by their writer director. And the best example we could come up with was the Beaver Kid trilogy. At the time, I was thinking about it later, and of course... What else did you come up with? Cecil B. DeMille made the Ten Commandments twice, once in 23, and then next time in 56. Let my people go! And then Alfred Hitchcock, of course, did The Man Who Knew Too Much twice. (laughs) So some other times. Yeah. Yasujiro Ozu also made Story of Floating Weeds and Floating Weeds. Oh, both great films, which I have not seen yet. You know, we're missing a crucial creator who has made their same art in two different ways. Oh, yeah. And that would be Taylor Swift. Oh, Oh, yeah. She couldn't get back her rights to those original albums from that shitty producer dude. (laughs) And so she just decided to re-record the albums and sell those, like the Taylor's versions. And I think that's an incredible move. I've totally forgotten about that. I didn't know about that. I didn't know anything about that. I think it's one of the smartest things a musician has ever done. Someone doesn't want to sell you back the rights to your albums. Okay, well, I'll just re-record the album and own that version. It's gonna be alright. I was not familiar with either of these. I'd never seen them before until this podcast. You never saw Heat? No, I'd never seen Heat. Jesus Christ. Graham was nice enough. He had the Blu-ray, so I came over to his house and watched it with him. And uh, yeah, that was the first time I'd ever seen it. Wow. What a treat. I think I, I need to make a confession here at the top. I think I liked LA Tech Down more than Heat. Oh, fuck you. Shut the fuck up. I didn't really love either of them. They're not really my thing. Like, I'm more of a comedy guy. It's also not something you can say if you watched them for the first time within the span of like 48 hours. Yeah, I'll tell you, I did not appreciate Heat after the first time I watched it. It's a movie with a shit ton of nuance, subtlety, and it is my most watched movie this year. I've watched it six times, and I'm going to go ahead and roll the two times I watched L.A. Takedown into that. So we'll say eight. And every single time I watch it, there's something completely new to me, and it's fucking magic. Well, it's because it's three hours long. (laughs) But you don't have to watch something in completion just because you press play. You can stop it and come back and watch Uh, it. That's why they invented the VCR. People deciding what they will watch and when they will watch it. (laughs) Yeah, watch on demand. I think objectively, it's pretty easy to say that Heat is a better version of this story. Don't get me wrong. There are elements of L.A. Takedown I think are fantastic. Yeah. Yes. But the things I like more in L.A. Takedown is because it's stupid. And so, like, if we're talking about objectively good stuff, I think that Heat does it better. Yeah, I mean, they've got a higher budget and, like, way better actors, but I thought L.A. Takedown had a tighter script, and I found the leads to be more believable as cop and crime boss, because I just think Al Pacino and Robert De Niro are just old, and (sighs) I didn't buy... when was made yeah they were 40 or 50 you're telling me you bought the the de niro character in la takedown more than de niro yeah just because he just seemed like he could actually was capable of doing all this stuff you're killing me but you're actually saying you buy that character more than you buy robert de niro Uh, the other character the real neil mccauley 
as a Chicago cop. He was fucking old when he was doing all that shit. Why are you being ageist against... Old people can commit crimes too. Maybe better. Meet LA's finest. Employee sucks. He works overtime on crime, leaving room for little else. What happens out here is my whole world. Now he's caught between a woman who wants him. What is our life together, Pitstop? The man he wants to take down. You do what you do best. Try to stop guys like me. For the first time anywhere, LA Takedown. According to Wikipedia, the God's Honest Truth, Michael Mann was approached by NBC to produce a new TV series. He was already executive producing Miami Vice, so he was already big TV success. Yeah. And this was a script that he had written years ago that was 180 pages long, and he trimmed it down to 110 pages. They shot this whole thing in 19 days with 10 days of production, so 30 days all around. Honestly, knowing that, it actually looks pretty good. It's decent. NBC passed on the show, but it aired LA Takedown as a TV movie, August 27th, 1989 at 9pm. And I have a contemporary review that somebody can read. I'm happy to read it. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Rob. (laughs) TV doesn't need vice on West Coast by Ray Richmond from Our News Services. I watched a preview tape of the two-hour failed series pilot, L.A. Takedown, 8 p.m. Sunday, NBC and KSNW Channel 3, with Deja Vu. Something told me I'd seen it all before. Maybe it was the combination of tough police detectives dressed in fancy duds having shootouts with cool, calculating criminals, while assorted greaseballs sporting a three-day growth complicate matters all to a driving rock and roll beat. Then again, my deja vu could have been sparked because there was a grisly triple murder at the beginning of the film, or by the ultra-modern palm tree-studded apartments of a few of the principals, the surreal graphic touches, and the reflective moments with various understanding women. (laughs) Then... I eyed the name of the executive producer, writer, and director, Michael Mann. Mr. Miami Vice himself. Oh. And it all clicked. The only differences between LA Takedown and Miami Vice are the setting. Los Angeles rather than Miami. And the crime being committed in Miami Vice, it was drug running. Here, it's armed robbery. What man seems to have conveniently forgotten is that Miami Vice, as well as Private Eye and Crime Story, died on NBC because the slick MTV Cops-style dramatic genre had grown tiresome. The last thing primetime television needed was a West Coast Miami Vice. Wow. Scathing criticism. I'm beginning to think this is a West Coast version of Miami Vice. How much Miami Vice have y'all watched? Because I've never watched any of it. Just the movie. I've watched episodes here and there. It's fine. But whether it's Miami Vice, Baywatch, Renegade, I mean, even back to like Knight Rider. A shadowy flight into the dangerous world of a man who does not exist. 
all of these shows follow a formula. It doesn't really matter. It's all the same shit. It's, Silk Stockings went for seven seasons, and that was two years after this. So this whole critique doesn't make sense that they're saying it won't work because there are other shows like it. And don't play with fire. If you can't stand the heat. Silk Stockings. Only on USA. Sunday and Monday night at 10, 9 central. This has never been released in the United States. Also, the name varies. Sometimes it's L.A. Crime Wave. Sometimes it's Made in L.A. Sometimes it's Showdown in L.A. So I'd say this is a, a fairly bootlegged movie that's floating around out there, but we're lacking in an official release. Should this be a special feature on the Heat DVD or Blu-ray? Yes. Yes. Especially on the 4K they just put out. I wish the entire film was a special feature. It is available on YouTube, which is where we watched it. it comes to us courtesy of the Retro Forge YouTube channel, mm. which is the type of channel I've been seeing more and more of in recent years that are just straight up uploading C-tier movies that no one really cares about. I love it. I love it. Yeah. There's a lot of lists on Letterboxd of movies stuck on VHS. Mm-hmm. That you can just find on YouTube, and I rip those puppies and put them on my Plex whenever I have the time. This channel has The Wizard of Speed and Time, which is a movie we've talked about. I am the Wizard of Speed and Time. The world of film is where I shine. I've got magic to let you see just where you were and want to be. It also has higher ground. Oh, really? <laughs> oh. The John Denver vehicle? Yes, sir. Absolutely. And his choice of vehicle? Plane. Plane. <laughs> or at least it was until he crashed it. Oh, I love you, John Denver. <laughs> Tapeheads, which is not a great movie, but a stylistically interesting movie from the late 80s with uh, Tim Robbins and John Cusack in My it. two favorite actors. Yo, friends, check this out. the name and they call me the king. And then for some reason, he's also uploaded a bunch of Dame Edna experience. Hello, possums! Oh, oh my god. <laughs> so thank you, Retro Forge, for uh, providing the pilot today. And uh, the YouTube video that we watched was uploaded only two months ago. Oh, shit. In July of 2023, LA Takedown has already been watched 5,000 times, so somebody's watching it. They've got the algorithm hooked for this show. <laughs> I can't imagine that fans of heat would not enjoy seeing this i would agree i enjoyed it graham what do you think is this a win for the fans yeah it's definitely worth your time especially if you liked heat there you go a ringing endorsement all right we all agree first thing that happens we're in a really cool bedroom with an awesome balcony overlooking a foggy hill, and there are two people asleep in bed. He's got the TV with the little, like, uh, technical difficulties sign on. No, no, no. It's off air. Oh, that's right. It's the Indian head thing. This tells you exactly. Mm -hmm. It's 1989. Television wasn't 24 hours. Mm -hmm. They went to bed with the TV on, oh. and they woke up, and the TV hasn't come back into programming yet it's not howdy doody time yeah yeah howdy doody time they were falling asleep to uh, to johnny carson and wake it up to howdy doody at the morning news and now ladies and gentlemen <laughs> 
Here. He's got this like slick, very cool apartment mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, but does not have a table for the TV because it doesn't need one. The TV is the table. This is the days when a television is a piece of furniture. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like console TV. So they're using it as a bedside table that also shows Carson. And obviously, they probably weren't watching too much TV, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but if you were to be just laying on this bed that's pretty close to the floor alone, yeah, you just lean over and you're just putting on things. Vincent? This is Vincent the cop and his wife Lillian. And they get up and they take a shower, and, uh, and it's it's pretty gross. I don't like this part. <laughs> Graham said this happens in Heat too, and I just completely blocked it out. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, this is what manly men do. Yeah. You know, they they wake up, they, they make love, bathe with their wives, bathe with their wives, and they go out and do a hard day's work. I'm glad you're here to tell me what men do. Thank you. Thank you, Graham. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is according to the man, oh. Michael Mann. Oh. <laughs> no, I thought you were referring to yourself as the man. Oh no, I've I've looked at myself as the woman. Go on. <laughs> Are you telling us that you've tucked your your wiener between your legs and looked at it in the mirror like we all have? Goodbye, Morgan. Dance with forever. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so the next thing is we are watching the first heist, which is just way scaled down. Yeah. This is the perfect thing that you could show in a college film class where you could say, here's what budgeting can do for a film. Yes. And you play this and then you play. Hey, there you go. <laughs> this only cost $500 and that was just the cost of that security van. <laughs> so uh, things work out. I consider working with you guys again, you know, on a regular basis. You look like an okay crew. Stop talking. Yeah, two guys are in a garbage truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of them seems kind of chatty and nervous. This is the loose cannon, Wayne Grove. Love it. Hate him. He is played by Xander Berkeley, yeah. who is the shitty dad from Terminator 2 that gets the giant sword through the carton of milk into his face. Wolfie. Wolfie's fine, honey. Wolfie's just fine. Your foster parents are dead. So another a Terminator 2 actor for this podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of... They ram the armored car with the garbage truck. And then two more guys show up and they're all wearing like black hockey masks. And they bowl hole in the truck and line up the guards while the other two guys dig through the truck and they steal something very specific. Yeah. Like I don't know, I don't know if they really explain what it is, but they, they are absolutely bonds. Bear, okay. explain they what do. it is. Fucking bear bonds. Okay, okay. I didn't know if they explained it in LA takedown. Yeah. It's the central plot of everything from the 80s. Okay, fair enough. What is that? They're bonds that are valid no matter what to whoever bears the bonds. Okay, see that's what I didn't understand was how you could have like a piece of paperwork and get money for it. So it doesn't matter who has it. A 
bearer bond is a type of fixed income security that differs from registered bonds in terms of ownership. So most bonds are registered to someone. Mm. But like Joe said, a bearer bond is registered to whoever bears the bond. Yeah, like cash. But like for the plot, the the important thing is this is something very specific and they ignore everything else. All the loose cash. They don't get anything but these specific paperworks, which... Shows that they're a very sophisticated crew. A sophisticated crew. They aren't knocking over lunchboxes. <laughs> <laughs> so Wayne Grow gets nervous and he shoots one of the guards. And then they just decide to shoot all of them because they've already shot one. Yeah, because what's the difference? Yeah, the well, one of the other guards pounces on the other guy huh. and knocks his mask off. So now they've all seen his face. So they have to okay. go all through. Okay. Yeah, that's another crucial moment. One of them calls the other sport. Yeah. And that is the clue that drives the plot. And I think in the movie, it's slick. Yeah. What's up with that? Yeah. It's slick, which is way better. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Also, it's in Heat 2, which we can talk about later. Yeah. Absolutely. We can. I liked Uh when the guard was up against the wall and there were the signs that said United Snakes. (laughs) I think Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. I don't know what that is. I think it's just people hanging shit they bring. Yeah. It's just random. And peace sign for the eye. So I'm thinking this is anti-Cold War shit. It's Detroit that would be in the city but it doesn't really mean anything something the props department would come up with i tried googling it and i couldn't find anything about united snakes <laughs> <laughs> it's what you see in every college town that has like some sort of anarchist movement yeah you just put up something that's like isn't this sending a message to authority mm-hmm. but it really it's just they like their little design they've made yes So we get a couple of scenes with Vincent where he is talking to his criminal informant and looking at the crime scene and figuring out how it worked. And he pretty quickly knows this is a professional game. Vincent, you recognize their MO? Oh yeah, I recognize their MO. Their MO is that they are good. They can put down scores strong or on the prowl. They're probably out of towners. Hope they're scoring once and passing through and I doubt it. I want this crew. I want them before they score again. And then we meet Patrick, played by Alex MacArthur. He's the leader of the organized gang that robbed the the armor truck. This is one of many diner scenes in this movie. Mm -hmm. I took out of our halves to make up his full split because I want to get rid of this right now. Hey, 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 I had... Shut up. You had to nothing. We have to deal with unnecessary heat. Disappear. Wangro. And he tells Wangro to leave town because he has brought the heat. heat. Mm-hmm. The titular heat. Because of the murders. Like if they hadn't killed anybody, no one would really care. Yeah, stealing money is a victimless crime. That's stealing bearer bonds. Especially bearer bonds. <laughs> There's a confrontation out in the parking lot where Wangro tries to grab patrick's shoulder i guess he's trying to convince him like to keep him around like you know yeah he wants to be part of the gang like that's the whole thing he's talking about Mm -hmm. right before the yeah like really bad the thing starts he's like hey if this goes good you know maybe i can do more of these with you guys and he fucks up they ain't invented the type of thing i can't handle it's his whole character he's trying to like be this badass that he and he's just a fucking loser he's really annoying and he sounds like rich rich vulture from mighty boosh but patrick needs him in the stomach 
and pushes him down and he's just about to shoot him when a cop car drives by hold it and in the moment that he looks up wangro manages to escape look there he went oh my god you just missed him boy see fast this is pretty much exactly the way it goes down in heat right it's at night yeah, yeah, except yeah. that it's at night and it just looks way, way better. Michael Mann shoots night scenes. Oof, so good. More realistic. I'd agree. Yeah. I think the scene happening at night in Heat is much more sense because, like, this guy really got away in 10 seconds. In broad daylight. In broad daylight in a parking lot that has nowhere to hide and you couldn't hear anything. Doesn't make sense to me. But TV magic. Well, also compared to Heat, this scene, like, it's kind of ambiguous if they went there to kill Wayne Grow. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. When Wayne Grow starts yes. following them and won't shut up, that's when they're like, we're going to kill him. But in Heat, De Niro seems like he shows up. They're ready. Yeah. yeah. They've got the fucking trunk full of, full of fucking vinyl. A- absolutely, Joe. So, yeah, I think that's kind of a big thing to point out between the two scenes. Yeah. I'd like to point out that the guy who plays Patrick is very handsome, but very uncharming. He's very, like, robotic. Totally. Affirmative. No, 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 no. You gotta listen to the way people talk. We get this murdered sex worker scene. Uh And in L.A. Takedown, I felt like this scene was just unconnected. Like, this was just something he had to go do. But in Heat, this this is the sex worker that Wangro murders, right? Yes. Yes. So... Then that's way better. Yes. And we get this scene after. Yeah, this happens way later in the movie. Yeah, because we see Wayne grow with the sex worker in heat. Yes. And then it's like, oh, okay. So he's not just like. We see him with a different sex worker in this much later. Yeah. Yeah. And this, the scene happens like with the sex worker. And I think she does get murdered, but we never, we don't see that. It makes more sense to connect these two. I agree completely. And it's, it speaks to a larger skewed storyline that we get with Wayne Grow in, in L.A. Takedown. But it's it's very similar where he's like holding the mother back. like, mm-hmm. And that was the thing I was like, wh- like I don't think any cop is going to like put his arms around woman and like this is just wild. He does it. He does the same thing in heat and it's great. It was way over the top. And like this, it's like he's just kind of holding her back. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was just weird. Please, let me, my, my little girl. Just let me see my baby. Just let me see her. Why don't you let me see my little girl? Why'd they do that? Why'd they do that to my baby? He's consumed with emotions. Give me what you got. Give me what you got. He is that 1% of police that has a heart. <laughs> and a big ass. <laughs> and a great ass. <laughs> You know, y'all, we haven't even talked about how Alex MacArthur, who plays Patrick McLaren, was known for Kiss the Girls yeah. from 1997 that stars Morgan Freeman and Ashley Judd. Ashley Judd also in Heat, of course. Mm-hmm. Whoa. And uh, it's a police is hunting for a serial killer and they're helped when a victim manages to escape for the first time. Look, there he went! Oh my God, you just missed him. It was a big movie. I think it made quite a lot of money. Well, Kiss the Girls was actually made because of the popularity of the song from Little Mermaid. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Sha-la-la-la-la-la. 
cut her head off and stuff it down into a sewer boy. Whoa, whoa, sha la 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 la. He was also in conspiracy th- theory with Graham's favorite actor, Mel Gibson. Yes. I don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> Mel. One of these days we'll do an episode on Mel. Mel? <laughs> Why bother? Oh, because it's really funny to talk about. <laughs> so his ex-wife, Exana, and him wrote oh. and did this like song together where he plays piano and they both sing. La, 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 la. Don't be shy, you got to. And I was wanting to open <laughs> Pumpkin Spice to that and force a cease and desist. And just like, <laughs> we, I will not be ignored. God damn it. You just want his attention so bad. I love this idea. This is the first time I'm hearing of it and I am green lighting it. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Can we put that as our theme song for... This episode too, Stu? Yes, of course. (laughs) Thank you. And our our closing theme will be Samantha from Sex and the City. Kim Cattrall scatting while her husband plays bass. Oh my my god, what the fuck? Not not taking a shit, but like... But if you're going to close with any song... It has to be Billy Idol's rendition awful. of L.A. Woman. Shitty. Awful. Let's go. That's the theme song for this show. L.A. Woman. L.A. Woman. All right. So we're, we're at night on a balcony, right? <laughs> Where are we? They're fucking on a balcony. <laughs> yeah. Lily, Lillian comes home to find Vincent drinking on the patio. Oh. And they have a conversation about how fucked up he is and how he can't be there emotionally for her. He goes, I told you, baby. I already told you. I don't have a normal life. Mm-hmm. In Heat, they have this conversation like 40 times. I think it makes a lot more sense in Heat that she's got a daughter that's angsty. Mm. She doesn't have to be with him. You know, yeah. Mm. Oh, and that he's on his third marriage instead of this just being, she's the love of my life. Like the, it's harder to believe because it's like that. It's the era where it's like I must be in a relationship, and you're a failure if you're not. Oh, for sure. I'm 29 years old, and I want to have children. I don't want to wake up one day and be 30 and find myself a lonely, childless old spinster. <laughs> There's a difference also here with like Hannah's love interest has her own business. Mm-hmm. It's successful. Wherein he, I think she's living off her ex-husband's alimony. Yes. Sorry, palimony, palimony. <laughs> That's a big difference in this. I don't know if she owns that bar, but she's definitely running it. Cut to the relationship with Patrick. Let's go. Oh, I also, I would like to call out that I fucking hate his name in this. Patrick? Patrick Solanko. Yeah. So he's like Irish and Italian. (laughs) What's the name in Heat? Neil McCauley. Neil McCauley. It's the name of the real criminal that it's based on. The real guy. Well, yeah, I would agree with that. That's a much better name. Yeah. I'm not convinced Stu watched Heat. I'm not either. (laughs) I watched it one time. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not convinced. Graham is my witness. No, I was Graham, there. Oh my God. Graham, you don't need to back him up here. I was there. <laughs> Sorry, we're rerouting you from North Carolina to Denver. <laughs> I've probably got another 10 viewings in me this year. I swear, I swear. We're watching Heat once a week. We come to my least favorite scene in both movies. Patrick meets a woman named Edie at a cafe counter. He is a huge jerk to her. And for some reason she likes him and they are instantly fucking. Yeah. He's incredibly yeah. rude in yeah. this. He's like way more rude. And then when he like goes mm-hmm. to a correct course, 
He is completely without charm, 100%. Let's let's talk to the young men in our audience. You don't need to be an asshole to women. They don't like this. Does not work. Tim Pool is wrong. Joe Rogan is wrong. Tim Pool is bald. This is not how you talk to women. The thing is, is that even if it's not you being an asshole, it was that you have to play a game. But that was like in the zeitgeist too. Like there was those books, like the rules to the relationship or men are from Mars, women are from Venus. As if you did things correctly or if you did things in a certain style, that's how a relationship gets met. And TV, oftentimes when you have a gruff character like this, will lean on the fact that like, I'm gruff, this is who I am, but if I show you that I have a softer edge mm-hmm. in whatever that makes its way out to, then like it's telegraphing through TV logic that he's actually an okay person. In LA Takedown, this doesn't make any sense that no. this woman who looks relatively like like she's not frumpy like Edie is in Heat, whoa, right? Whoa, she's not, whoa. What? Slow your freaking... Edie and Heat is hot as shit. Uh, I know, but frumpy doesn't mean someone is ugly. It means that they're like, you know, in comfortable clothing, old-fashioned, you know, not... Oh, sure, This lady's got, like, fancy earrings, fancy clothes. Edie works at, like, a bookstore and goes to college. Yeah, she goes to college Mm -hmm. to do what Edie in L.A. Takedown does for a living. Yeah, so in L.A. Takedown, I don't see this person who's already successful being like, oh, hey, dude who's an asshole to me, but I could see a college student yeah, looking up to a guy who's a little bit older and being like, oh, yeah. he's kind of mysterious, you know? Mm-hmm. I found this way more believable, though, because like you were saying, Edie is a graphic designer in L.A. Takedown. There's something specific about the printing technique. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I can kind of buy, but in Heat, she's trying to break into graphic design, but she's working at a bookstore, and she just recognizes Patrick as a customer. I I cannot imagine in any universe where a woman is so lonely that she starts trying to hit on men that she's just seen in a bookstore where she works, especially if they're just jerks to her like like Uh... he is. But he wasn't really as much of a jerk to her, I think. And he also, if you were working somewhere and you just happened to be sitting next to the same person that you saw two hours ago at your job, you probably would have been like, oh, did you get that at so-and-so bookstore? I think that's believable. Maybe not today in our go-go lifestyles and cell phones and internet just giving us low attention spans. But back then, you... uh, you paid attention to the moments. Yeah. This is also like in in the heat, it's like a specialty bookstore. Yeah, that's true. So like, of course, she's like, oh, he's so mysterious. A bank robber. And also who's buying books on metals? Yeah. Various metals. That's also a much <laughs> more, more believable fucking backstory than I sell swimming pools. <laughs> My brother fucking sells swimming pools. And let me tell you. The number of times there he is in a suit looking like that sharp mm-hmm. is pretty fucking rare because he is beat <laughs> from selling swimming pool. Beat red, sunburns. Insta rust, that's the lightning magnet. 
That's the tinkler. Woo, the tinkler. I like the sound of that. We'll take it. Is it true we should wait at least an hour after eating before we go in? Look, question lady, this job is not what I really do, okay? I play keyboards. I, I do feel like the women in LA Takedown have a lot more agency. Absolutely. Than they do in uh, in Heat. She's actually a successful graphic designer. Lillian is running her own business. She's running a nightclub. As opposed to in, in Heat, where they just seem like these women that have something missing in their lives. And that's why they need these men who are so awful to them. Manly men. Manly, manly men. Now you're a man! A man, 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 now you're... Toxically masculine. But also, I mean, he's yeah. like a gay allegory. So Ooh. maybe that's why the women are represented that way. Sure. Mm. It's actually called Heat. It's a sort of entendre about how hot it is inside of a man's asshole when you fuck him. Oh, ah. my God. <laughs> We get a shot where we see both women, Edie and Lillian, waking up in beds alone, which is the the theme of this, is their men are not available for them. They're somewhere else, both metaphorically and physically. They're in love with their work. Because the men are in love with each other. Yeah, I'm an honest citizen. Yeah, and I'm a ghost of Christmas past. You got something to say or what? Okay, okay, calmate. This is valuable stuff. If I tell you what I know, I could get killed. You get killed. Walking down the street. This dude I know, McNeil, he's been out a couple, maybe three years. So? Oh, this dude, he's an action donkey. If he'd have said nothing, I would have thought nothing. But he goes on and on into extra overtime about how he ain't been doing nothing. <laughs> then I know, he's got something going down. You dragged me all the way out here to waste my time like this. He saw a guy on a street who's an ex-con? Yeah. Yeah. So what do you want for that, a junior G-man badge? You gotta be kidding me. Hey, the sport and he's double duty. The real double blind mofo. What'd you say? Huh? You said sport? Yeah. That's what he calls everybody. Sport this, sport that. So tell me about it. Yeah, it's the same thing in this as it is in Heat, where like... Somebody overheard him calling someone sport or slick. We just happen to know. So Hannah put out like a APB for a guy that calls everyone sport. Yeah. And uh, that's why he's asking this guy about it. Which is just wild. It's just wild that, that you could actually track someone down with that little of a clue. But that's what happens. In Los Angeles. Yeah, no kidding. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Lane. Happy birthday to you. There's too many candles on this cake. Hey, you got plenty of good years left in your baby. Oh. He, he does a much better job of driving home that this is a farce, that they have these fantasy normal lives, but that the life of violence and crime that they're drawn to is so corrosive and destructive that it's just imp it's impossible and their loved ones are the ones that are going to suffer because of their choices but you know this is basically all we get is we get this this nice birthday scene in, in LA Takedown yeah I mean we don't even get to know Chris Scherlis at all in LA Takedown but it's not just the criminals it's also the cop families as well are going to suffer for this life of violence so it's it's everybody but anyway, they're leaving the restaurant and we see that the cops are watching them from across the street on the rooftop. Transponders on two cars. Tails. I got four cars on each. This is great. The bad guys convention. Who's sport? The wide one. 
Michael Cerrito. Put a tap on his car phone. And uh, yeah, this is pretty much how it happens in heat as well, right? Yeah, and it's a total setup because they know that the heat is on. So now we get a nightclub scene where for some reason the guy is playing a turtle shell with antlers. <laughs> I had to rewind that like three times. I was like, is that, what is happening? Like, I, what sound would that even make? But yeah, I love this like turtle shell percussion device. It seems to me again, like he was just like, the props guy was like, here, just grab this, put this, you know, just do this. This is fine. We'll shoot this little insert. They're, well, I think they're in one of those famous LA tiki bars. Isn't it her bar? Yeah, but I'm just guessing that like it's based off of something. It's already existing in LA and they're, mm-hmm. you know. Vincent is dancing with Lillian. And when Vincent goes to take a phone call, the bartender who, who was actually harassing her in an earlier scene is trying to get her to dance with him. Mm-hmm. I thought that character, the first time he popped on scene, mm-hmm. on screen, was supposed to be the Henry Rollins yeah. character from Heat. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> Susie looks like him. But he's holding her wrist, and she is not into it at all. This dance, baby. I don't think so, Jimmy. Woman, I'm going to be your friend. <laughs> Good God. What a reference. And, and Vincent comes over and he's like, let go of my wife. And the guy says, she's a nice piece. What do you expect? Fires him up. Vincent, please. Peace? What is peace? Peace? You call her? That's Lillian. That's Lillian. You call her a piece? And then Vincent fucking punches him in the face. And this leads to Vincent and Lillian having an argument out in the street. With you, when you hooked up with me, you knew you were going to share me with the worst people and the ugliest events on this planet, right? It consumes you. It runs you. I bought into sharing. This is not sharing. This is leftovers. Which is, uh, you know, more of the theme of Vincent being corrupted by the violence he's consumed by his job and how this makes his relationship so impossible. Again, we get way more of this in Heat. It's we just we only get like little tastes of this in uh, LA Takedown. They're pretty unsatisfying tastes. Well, for the most part, I think I'll have to side with you a little bit, Stu, on the fact that like some of these things are just more efficiently told. Mm-hmm. I like all of the stories, and like Joe said, you know, you always find something new when watching Heat. Like I'm not going to find a whole bunch of new stuff when watching LA Takedown, right. but it tells the story efficiently for sure. I would agree with that. Yeah, and I think my opinion comes from the fact that this isn't my kind of movie, so I wanted it to be over. Uh, but that's so crazy. What is your kind of movie? That's what I want. Yeah, to I'd like to know. Uh, I'm more of a comedy guy. I'm not really into the dour, bleak cops dramas. So, like, what's your favorite comedy of 2023? Ooh, ooh, let's go. You you got me let's on the go. spot. I don't know. Well, because I'll tell you this. I'm this. That isn't a trick yeah. question. Like, even when I go back and watch comedies, there are certain comedies that I'm like, yes, this I'll watch and I'll laugh. But there is hasn't been anything new that I've seen that I'm like, this is fucking funny. And that probably says more about me. But like, even. A movie like Super Bad. If I try and rewatch it, I'm like, nah, you know, I can't really do it. But I'll watch like a Tommy Boy a lot. <laughs> God, you're sick. Patrick and his gang are realizing that they are being bugged by the police. <sighs> they do this amazingly brilliant thing. This 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 is one of my favorite things in the movie. They go to a big open area mm-hmm. and pretend to be plotting their next robbery. You see the West Wall? Yeah. 
That's what we cut in. What are we going to use for? Have a core drill, definitely. And then they leave and then watch and see who shows up and tries to figure out what they were talking about. And sure enough, <laughs> 10 minutes later, Vincent and the other cops are, are standing there trying to figure out yep. Yep. You know, what the hell they're looking at. Is this cruise something or is this cruise something? I mean, this guy is a mega blast. You know what he's looking to take down here? Nothing. You know what he's looking at? I know what he's looking at. Us. The police department. We just got made, okay? <laughs> and then they look like a bunch of assholes. Looking like an asshole. Hannah looks good. I'm pretty sure that that is a 80s Ralph Lauren suit that he is wearing, and it looks <laughs> fucking sure. stellar. Yeah, if you're a police detective, you make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, you make a shit ton of money. You make more money than, like, a humble stockbroker or venture capitalist. Depends on where you're a, you're a cop. If you're a cop in the South, no, not not at all. And how much you skim off the top. Yeah, Vic Mackey. But guess what, guys? It's time to play a game. Oh, my God. Are we? Would you like to play a game? I tell you what, guys. Why don't we pop into this diner since we're all just walking around L.A. together recording this on foot? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's just pop in here and... I'd uh, love some waffles. I'll, uh, I'll meet you guys in there. I've, I've got to go respond to uh, to an email from, from uh, I don't, I don't, Costco. Okay. Someone. Oh, okay. Yeah. Here. Oh, well, I guess we should just get a table or maybe wait for someone to come and talk to us. I don't know. Well, hey, gentlemen. Hello. Oh, Whoa, hey. Welcome to Duke's Family Style Diner in Washatorium. Oh, thank you. This is wonderful. Hey, listen. Yes? I'd love to show you boys to a table. Okay. But <laughs> we just had a line cook call out. Oh. And a bus full of drunk soccer hooligans just showed up. Oh, no. So we could really use a hand back in the kitchen. Uh, all right. You, you boys look like you could use a, a couple of bucks and uh, a shower. It's true. And uh, I, I could tell y'all worked in a kitchen before. That's true. Not really. So, uh... I, I did work in a pretzel store. <laughs> well, I think you'll get the hang of it real quick. Oh, okay. Just go and put this apron oh, on. Okay, yeah. Do you need help tying that? I had a hairnet. This is huge. Okay. Hey, you mustache boy, you're going to need a beard net on that thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, cover up your mustache with the, with the mustache net, Graham. Do you have to pull it over your eyes and nose? <laughs> yes. Yes, pull it all the way down. You got to pull it all the way over your whole face like you're robbing an armored truck. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> So I'm going to call out the orders to y'all back there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I want you to shout your name and call out what you're going to be serving up. Okay. So I know you got the orders correct. All right. Y'all get it? I'm ready. You ready? Got to get your spatulas in your hands. We all ready? You got your spatula? Okay. All right. First order coming in. All right. I need a sinkers and suds with sand. Sinkers and suds with sand? Uh, Graham, I got that. That what you got for me is Oh my god, the customer's getting pissed. Yeah, what is that? It is chicken nuggets with a side of macaroni and cheese. Mm. Oh my god, he's gonna be so mad if I serve him this. Anybody else got something I can bring to this man? Sinkers and suds with sand? Uh Stuart. Come on, it's basic lingo. Is it a some kind of donut? No. Donut with powdered sugar? Mm. Powdered sugar? Oh. 
and, and ketchup? Oh. Or strawberry sauce? Or just oatmeal? Keep going. No. Oh my god. You were so close. Rob, you got some for me. Donut and a beer? No. <laughs> Oh my God! You you were all you were both so close, Graham. You're way off. Oh shit! I needed some donuts and coffee with sugar. Okay. Nah, I just come back there and get them for myself. Oh God! I'm Hold on. Oh, let me move out of your oh. way here. Oh. Okay, careful. Second ticket coming through. Oh okay. I I need a I need a Coney Island chicken tube steak with a hemorrhage. Do Graham, it's a uh, Salisbury, Salisbury steak, please. A Coney Island chicken tube steak with a hemorrhage. Stewart, what you got for me? That's gonna be a hot dog with uh, onions. Oh, damn, you're getting it real close. Too bad. Who who else got some for me? Graham. Graham! Ribs. Oh my god, no. Okay. I can't serve that to these soccer hooligans. <laughs> oh. You want me to get head butted? Okay, what is it? One more time, Coney Island. Coney Island chicken tube steak with a hemorrhage. Uh, the hot dog with ketchup? Ooh. You got it, Rob. Thank you. Oh my god, he's going to be so happy. Oh. He's been waiting for this for at least... Two minutes. Thank good, good. Thank God, Rob. All right, th third ticket coming in. Okay. I need Adam and Eve on a raft. Uh, Adam and Eve on a raft. Oh my fuck. Uh, mm. Graham. Go ahead, Graham. We made uh, a filet mignon served <laughs> under rice, <or> over rice, <laughs> rather, and chopstick. Mm. Now, now, Stewart. Stewart, what do you got? Two eggs on a toast. <laughs> I will go ahead and take that one. That's fine. You got close enough. It's two poached eggs on toast. Can you okay. poach those? Yeah, sure. Here they go. Poached. Damn, that was the fastest I've ever seen someone poach eggs. I'm fastest poach in the West. Oh, looks like another ticket's coming in. Oh, shit. All right. I need a hockey puck. Take it through the garden, put a rose on it, and frog sticks in the alley. Hockey puck taken through the garden with the rose petal and frog sticks. Hockey puck taken through the garden, put a rose on it, and frog sticks in the alley. But this isn't an actual meal. This might be the most creative interpretation of that I could have thought of. It's a well-done burger with... Uh, on a salad? French fries. I don't... With french fries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you basically got it. It's a, it was supposed to be a well-done burger with tomato and lettuce and a side of oh. french fries. But, I, you know what? I'll just go ahead and grab one of these tomatoes with my bare hands and just slap that right on there for them. You want to wash those hands? <laughs> oh, wow. God. Never seen someone put their full hand inside a fryer before. That was amazing. Well, there's a first time for everything, boy. All right. All right, we got another one coming through. I need a shingle with a shimmy and a shake. Hmm. Stuart, what you got for me? Buttered toast with jam. You fucking got it. He's going to be so happy. Wow. He might even leave a tip. Wow. 
All right. Oh. All right. We got we got another ticket coming through here. I need Bossy in a bowl with whistleberries. <laughs> Turn on wheels. Bossy in a bowl with whistleberries. Bossy in a bowl with whistleberries. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> bossy. What is Bossy? Stewart. Go ahead. What do you got for me? This is this is this is beef stew with baked beans. <laughs> You got it. Are you Googling these? Like, how do you get beef stew out of Boston? He's cheating. No, I'm I'm just guessing. He's cheating. How do you get? How did you come to beef stew from Bossy? I want to know that. I told you, no phones in the kitchen. Bossy's like a, it's like a cow. Bossy the cow. Duh. No, that is not anything anyone's ever called a cow. That is a very common name for a cow, is Bossy. I thought Bessie. Bessie's just a name for a grandma. Yeah. Mm. All right. Okay. Last ticket coming through. Last hooligan's ready for his food. All right. I need you to put out the lights and cry on the hoof. Put out the lights and cry on the hoof. On two. They're over there looking up soccer scores and getting pissed off. Beep. Go ahead, whoever the hell that was. What do you have? Put it in the window. Graham, iced tea. No, but I'm gonna go and drink that because I'm fucking thirsty. I've been on my feet for nine and a half hours, boy. Yeah, I'm sorry we couldn't have been more help to you. I'm working a damn triple. Let's go. Put out the lights and cry on the hoof. Well, duh, of course it's liver and onions. Is that right? Continue. On the hoof. That's what I said. That's what he ordered. Cooked rare. Yeah, all right. You got it, you fucking cheaters. All righty. Well, thank God. (laughs) Oh, goodness. They're not going to kill us all with bottles that they've broken over their heads to be shards stabbed into our necks. Oh, my God. All right, boys. It it looks like this rushes over. The, The hooligans... They're leaving. So can we can we get a free meal? Well, how that works? No, you can eat all the shit you fucked up. Ew. Okay. I think we should probably just leave. We have a podcast we have to get back to. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, all right, all right. The the winner here was the customers because they all got their food for free. <laughs> it kind of looks like they're all leaving bad reviews on Grubfucker. Grubfucker. <laughs> so, sorry, boys, but. Uh, you're you're all fired. Oh, there's your share of the tips. Looks like about eighty-seven cent a piece. Oh. Might be enough for the bus ride home. That's great. Okay. And uh, here's a free tip. Little piece of advice. Okay. Get the hell out of my kitchen, boys. That's not advice. That's more of a command. But okay. Well, that's advice. Get out of here. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Get out of Miss Marianne's kitchen. We gotta go find Joe anyway. He's probably taking a big shit. Hey guys, I just finished sending that email and I missed. No, I was fine. No, not nothing. You missed absolutely nothing. All right. Well, I think I'm gonna go ahead and grab myself some liver and onions served rare while we're here. Okay, fair enough. Looking for your next audio binge? Bridge Burner is an independent podcast collective with all types of shows guaranteed to bring you hours of enjoyment. Podcasts like Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. On Reenacted, hosts Robert and Crystal watch and discuss the classic episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. They don't take themselves or the program seriously. They're just a couple of dummies who love 
Unsolved Mysteries. Or try Piloting Error, a crash course in abandoned media. Hosts Joe and Stu and guests walk scene by scene through television pilots that were aired but never picked up for series. It's a time capsule of the bizarre. Maybe you'll enjoy Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure, where hosts Bill and Rob find the joy in watching a lackluster series of films like Predator or pre-MCU Marvel films. Hey, you could even check out The Bachelor Masters, a non-corporate show about the Bachelor franchise. What does the Bachelor series say about society? This podcast will let you know. If these shows sound fun, then you'll definitely enjoy Pumpkin Spice Podcast, a seasonal treat where comedy and horror movies meet all year long. But wait, there's more. Bridgeburner also has access to two Mike Sachs exclusives, Randy, the full and complete audio memoir of The Amazing Life and Times of Randy S., and Passing on the Right, both hilarious pieces of audio fiction created by the award-winning writer Mike Sachs. If you have a podcast that you think would fit with the Bridgeburner Collective, reach out to any of these shows, and they'll let you know how to join. Remember, five stars are our favorite. We love reviews. And also, share every single one of these podcasts in your group chat. It's Bridgeburner, and you can see more at bridgeburner.page. Tell us about the Pumpkin Spice Podcast. Graham, take it away. What season is it, Rob? Oh, we don't have seasons. We just we just do it, baby. <laughs> this is season 27, Pumpkin Spice Going Strong. In 1972 <laughs> by Merv Griffin. And uh, wow. Yeah. Talk about horror films on the podcast. Pretty simple. So it's it's location based. Yeah. I mean, it's gone through different phases. Like when Graham and I started Pumpkin Spice Podcast, it was a franchise at a time. So you'll see we did a series on Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah in like 2017 and and friday the 13th and then we watched the three texas chainsaw massacre movies we could stomach but yeah graham and i took a little bit of a pause on the podcast for a while and then came back this year and changed up the format a little bit made it a little easier and quicker and snappier and at the end of each episode graham gives me a bus ticket he says you can take a bus ticket to this city or take a bus ticket to this city and i choose the city and then he tells me what movie takes place or is somehow associated with that city and we've made it all the way through up until november's worth of episodes and uh, then we're going to take a little bit of a break in december to not necessarily visit any new towns but maybe visit some old favorites some old haunts haunts for the holidays so that'll be fun can't wait to hear it yeah yeah that sounds awesome and uh, if anyone's listening to this in 2024 we have a few other surprises up of our sleeves so be on the lookout for pumpkin spice podcast making waves can't wait yeah look for the movie that best represents your state (laughs) and then send it to graham and he will get it and he will make a note of it the only horror movie i can think of that was shot in arkansas would be like the boggy creek monster (laughs) and i've been to folk arkansas so deliverance deliverance is in georgia yeah deliverance is not arkansas oh i guess james dickey was just from arkansas or worked in arkansas i believe hogzilla takes place in arkansas Mm. I would believe that. You know what movie takes place in Arkansas that's a real horror? Primary Colors. Ah. Oh. 
Yes. I did. I saw that in the theater. Uh, oh, that's when John Travolta plays Bill Clinton. Well, pseudo Bill Clinton, not. Well, I don't know if you guys know this, but it was written by Anonymous. <gasps> Bill Clinton. Well, wait, so it's a true story. Joe, do you know that you've switched to a different microphone? Yeah, he's taking his mid-episode smoke oh. cigarette break. Oh. Yes, because I went to take a st- smoke a cigarette. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, Pumpkin Spice Podcast. Check it out. It's great. Alright, so now we come to the most important scene of the entire movie. The Nexus. The Fountainhead singularity from which this story flows vincent and patrick sit down and drink a cup of coffee together and talk about their feelings you aren't so different you and i i and i believe i have a pretty good case as to why this scene is better in la takedown than in heat (laughs) yeah yeah i want to hear that you fucking piece of shit at least wait till I get back to my good mic to fucking scream. It sounds like you've only seen each thing once. No, I'm not yes, sure. I've seen both movies one time. I think I was pretty upfront about that. <laughs> We've got this this quote from uh, Wikipedia. I did the last reading. Graham, it's your turn. From Wikipedia, The God's Honest Truth. The origins of L.A. Takedown lay in real life. Michael Mann, the producer and screenwriter, cited producer, screenwriter in Chicago, ex-police officer Chuck Adamson as an inspiration for the character of Vincent Hanna, man who collaborated with Adamson on Miami Vice and Crime Story and several minor projects, was told of an investigation Adamson's partook in. In 1963, he was investigating Neil McCauley, a professional robber. According to Mann, one day he, they simply bumped into each other. What they don't say, they was at a... Brothel. A gentleman's club. Yeah. <laughs> they left that out. Uh, Adamson's didn't know what to do. Arrest him, shoot him, or have a cup of coffee. Adamson later killed McCauley in a standoff after a failed robbery. Mm, so sad. So, okay. So in the, in LA Takedown, Vincent and Patrick are both running errands. They're like picking up their nice suits that they have to have dry cleaned. Yes. You should always dry clean your suits. Of course. We all know this. And they spot each other across the parking lot. And at this point, you know, they both know that the other one knows and they're watching each other and they both reach for their guns. And then Vincent Vincent just says, Buy you a cup of coffee. Uh-huh. Uh, so then they, they go in and they have this incredible conversation where they realize how their lives are similar and that they are both drawn to violence and, you know, one's an unstoppable force and the other one's an unmovable object, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly the same in Heat. But in Heat, this scene is, is set up completely different. Instead, Vincent pulls Patrick over and just tells him they're going to go get coffee. No, he does not tell him. He says, buy you a cup of coffee. Yeah, he asks him, but I mean... What is he going to do? He's a cop. He just pulled him over. He's demonstrating his power. Maybe I can't arrest you, but I can harass you. It's a completely different power dynamic. In in LA Takedown, they're just going about their business and they see each other. And the whole point in this movie is that they're the same person. Two sides of the same coin. No, the whole point is that they love each other. Yeah. It'd be great if they like we just started kissing each other after the... <laughs> After the, the, the scene. But this like shitty cop behavior. I'm just going to pull you over and harass you. But that's better in tune with the Hannah character, though. Yeah. 
He's a psycho who's on cocaine. Because he's done shitty cop behavior the whole time, even in L.A. Takedown. Absolutely. Not to mention the fact that he's got to exploit city resources by flying a helicopter yeah. to chase them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And the song that plays during that scene is badass. Okay, so in Heat, Vincent Hanna is like a complete maniac. No, he's he's on cocaine. An amphetamine addict in Heat 2. It's not coke, but yes. How do I not remember that? I've read it twice. My point is though that Neil has these sudden flashes of violence, but for the most part, he is completely in control. Yeah, he's even keel. So how are they the same person? They're the complete opposite. Because Hannah is in control when he's investigating a fucking crime scene. Yep. Uh, Robert De Niro, Neil, is in control all the time. He's not doing drugs. He's not doing anything. Mm, that's not true. Remember the ending of both of these? He slips up. Yeah. And the one time he slips up. He gets killed because he loses control because he's more focused on getting revenge than actually leaving when the heat is on. But he's not screaming and yelling like Al Pacino is. Different different window dressing. But that's because they're the same person, but the things and choices they have made have led them to have different traits. In Heat, they're opposites. Oh. In this movie, they're the same. You know what I saw? Hmm. Two guys not afraid to tell their wives to fuck off. I'm drinking tonight. Manly men shit. Let me just say this. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And what did you see? And sorry, I could not travel, but be one traveler, long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could see. Huh? Continue. And, well, to where it bent in the undergrowth. I've been to the hole in the wall where the boys can see it all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anywho, I don't necessarily agree. To me, Stu, what you're saying is it makes more sense that they just bump into each other after doing laundry and are like, buy me a cup of coffee. I just think that's more interesting. But I don't think it's a better way to do it because in L.A. Takedown, we see right at the very beginning, Hannah like just kicks open a door without a warrant to muscle his informant. That is true. Right? So we That is true. So we're getting that same aspect of him being a shitty cop the same way he's a shitty cop exerting his power over Neil McCulley and Heat to get a cup of coffee. Except he says buy you a cup of coffee in the pullover instead of like harassing him there. So it's not any different it's just how it lays out and i think that like if we're still getting shitty cop behavior in one place over another i think it's actually fairly boring in la takedown to be like humdy dumdy dum we're in one of the largest most spread out cities in all of america and we happen to bump into each other doing laundry and you recognize each other immediately but they're trying to live normal lives, and the violence finds them for better or worse but that isn't fully discussed in la takedown like, that's not fully formed. Yeah, I would agree with that. Heat fleshes more of that out. Sure. So I see where you're coming from. I, I just uh, respectfully disagree. That's fine. I decline your premise. <laughs> I think if, uh, if Hannah were an unhinged, like he acts towards criminals when he's interrogating them, if he were actually that way inside and not completely calm and in control, this scene would have been a shootout, or at the very least, he would have tried to arrest Macaulay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I think it is pretty funny that they, I guess, don't want to involve innocent bystanders, but that doesn't really seem to bother them most of the time. <laughs> Did you say bystanders? 
bystanders standards bystander 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 a standard by standard innocence standards by. anyway it doesn't hit as much it doesn't hit as well in la takedown in heat it hits so well because they're both such fucking incredible top 10 all-time actors and the two guys in la takedown are fine mm-hmm. but it does not have the same gravitas well, I think that Hannah makes a fatal flaw because if I were him, instead of the coffee, you would agree to him. No, like drinks. Oh, get him drunk. Mm. Confess to the crimes. I'm wearing a wire in the movie. Mm. <laughs> he would never. Because that's the thing with like watching Heat. How does De Niro know that he's not wearing a wire? Well, it doesn't matter because he doesn't confess to anything specific. He doesn't say anything at all. I'm going to shoot you and I'm going to shoot you too. Yeah, but that's so what? It's conditional. He's not making a threat. They don't have any evidence on him at all. Like that's the whole point. This doesn't matter that they can just have a cup of coffee because he's got nothing on him and he's not going to confess to anything. I just wouldn't talk about it at all. He's not saying like, I want to shoot you. He's like, you know, if the heat is on and it comes down to you versus me. Mm-hmm. I don't have another choice. I'll blow you out of your socks. Yeah, there's only one way for this to end, and that's for one of us to kill the other. It's with violence. Ah. Yeah. Javert versus Jean Valjean. Just like in Heat, the driver pulls out last second. (laughs) This is the character played by Danny Trejo in the movie. No. No? This is played by the fucking Allstate man and the president from 24. And the guy from Major League 2. Back to the minors. Actor Dennis Haysbert has an irrational and crippling fear of hippos. Danny Trejo is in this, but he is not involved in the bank robbery. I know. He pulls out. He was going to be the driver, but he pulls out last minute. Look, there he went. Oh, my God. You just missed him. Boy, see fast. Right. So it has to be the all statement. Yes. 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 The voodoo guy doing patois. Are you in good hands? But in this one, the replacement driver, who I don't even think has any lines. I don't remember. He's not afraid to use a gun. It's it's Walker's partner from Walker, Texas Ranger, Clarence Gilliard Jr. Yes, sir. And he's also Theo from Die Hard. Proto Urkel. The nerd. Mm-hmm. Hacker. That's right. He didn't bring me along for my charming personality. We mm-hmm. get the big heist. And after all of this, about how they're this sophisticated crew, they're just robbing a bank. But it's a chase bank in freaking... It's downtown Los Angeles. Is this where you bank? Heat. It's a big yeah. fucking bank robbery. Is this where you bank <laughs> robs? <laughs> no. Well, Rob would know how far away is that from like a major freeway? Like as far as like getting away. Everything is close to a major freeway. LA is just a big freeway. Okay. So at least you got that going. Okay. That's why Heat is such a perfect movie for heist stuff. There's so many beautiful freeway shots in Heat too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The only movie I, I, I can think of that's made freeways beautiful other than maybe uh, that Talking Heads movie. True stories. True stories. Well, I suppose these freeways made this town and a lot of others like it possible. They're the cathedrals of our time, someone said. Not me. It was shocking to me how similar the scene was to Heat. Even the lines. Yeah, they're almost exactly the same. Everybody stay cool. Do exactly as we say and you come away okay. 
We're not here to hurt anybody. We're here for the bank's money, not your money. Your money is protected by the federal government under the FDIC program. You are not going to lose a penny. And he's walking across the bank teller stations and he's just kicking all the shit on the floor. I loved it. I I loved yeah. it in both movies. I thought it was great. It's brilliant. Needless to say, the robbery goes completely sideways and there's a huge shootout in the street with dozens of innocent civilians. It's complete mayhem. And one of the bad guys picks up a little girl and I guess he's he thinks it's going to be a shield. Yeah, human shield. The thing that's ridiculous about this is when everyone's running away, immediately Tom Sizemore's character in L.A. Takedown is in a suburban neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, don't get me wrong, there are neighborhoods adjacent to some of the major metropolitan areas in L.A., but this feels like Home Alone 2 where he runs from the top of Manhattan to the bottom of Manhattan in (laughs) two minutes. What is that, 19 (laughs) miles? I don't think so. Yeah, and the fact that there's a shootout in this neighborhood, it it, it, it strains credulity. <laughs> I love how it's done in Heat because it is way more accurate to like what would be going on. And also, this is just a weird choice. He's going to pick up some little girl and just sprint with his back fully exposed to yeah. these people. Like This isn't the move for like a top-level heister. You know, that they're talking about this whole time. This is amateur shit. And Vincent just blows him away between the eyes. Mm-hmm. Plays out basically the same way in Heat. Yes. It just looks a lot worse in this one. Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't have like a cadre of cops standing behind his exposed back. Yeah. Who are all afraid to shoot him <laughs> in the ass. Well, wouldn't you be? No. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> But Patrick gets away, and I think all the other guys in the crew are dead or caught by the police. But Patrick goes to visit the getaway driver for some reason. I can't remember why. See who sold him out. He's the one that didn't show up, so clearly he sold them out. And he finds him dying on the floor of his apartment. It's way more grisly Mm -hmm. in heat. I've always been very disturbed by that shot of Danny Trejo because it looks like they've smashed his fucking skull and half of the back of his head is gone like a robocop. And and all he can do is like whisper. Who did this? Who? Wangro. There's a lot of Wangro shit, and he still sounds like Rich Fulcher and seems like just an annoying guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely not a guy to have on your criminal crew. He seemed cool to me. (laughs) <laughs> the biggest change is all the Wayne Gross stuff, I would say. Yeah, that is one of the biggest things. He's just walking around telling everybody, I'm a big time criminal. <laughs> you should let me join your crew. I'm good at crime. And then the thing in Heat is that like he's used as bait for yeah mccully and this is he's just figures out where he is patrick has the opportunity to, to just get on a plane and, and get away scot-free but he just can't abide letting wangro live yeah uh, he can't let wangro live he can't leave without Edie or chris shaherless mm-hmm. who is at this this stood out to me the the vet that he takes him to as mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. all fucking crime doctors or veterinarians yes 
Yeah. And he, the vet calls himself Dr. Bob. Well, Dr. Bob says he's going nowhere for two weeks. Look, you're like a major media event right now. I, uh, I think it's at least double the risk. I'm doubling my price. You're wrong. What do you mean? It's not double the risk. It's four times the risk. Because if something happens to him, I'm coming for you. And I am double the worst trouble you ever thought of. Because I've doubled your double. I'm doubling down on trouble. Yeah, that is one of the dumbest fucking monologues I've heard ever. And then it's also just as bad as when he asks Edie to run away with him after they go back to his place. She's so bad. There was a man on the sidewalk with groceries. It rains, you get wet. People get in the way, it becomes their problem. What are we talking about here? Believe it. It changed. Let's go. Why? This dude sucks. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing endearing about him at all. And like, it's the 1980s, and he's handsome. Mm. Uh, mm. <laughs> so, any, so he chooses to go kill Wangro, which turns out to be a trap set by the police. Seems that way. Or, or they just followed him there. I think he just got followed in this one, but it was a yeah. it was a trap in heat. But ultimately, it is Wangro who kills Patrick. Because he shoots him through the hotel door and Patrick dies in Vincent's arms. What the hell's the matter with you? Why'd you fall for this? Huh? You were free like a bird. No way. Figo. You know well do it. No way you used to. They don't build anything the way they used to. Yeah. Also, huge difference. Yeah, way, way abbreviated. Yeah, really uh, just unsatisfying compared to the ending of Heat. Yeah. Him holding his hand after he fucking shoots him in LAX is so emotional. And it just hammers the fact, hu- fact home that Hannah has a soft spot for him, even though they're on different sides of the law. They're in love. He's tr- They're in love. He he respects him. He likes him as a guy because they're the fucking exact same goddamn guy. Yeah. They got stuff to talk about. <laughs> but it's... Yeah, exactly. They're, they're talking sports by Huey Lewis in the news. Mm-hmm. But it's so much more emotional than this. And this, it's just like, oh, he's... Oh, fuck. He, he's dying in my arms. And here I am in a hallway of a cheap motel. Yeah. You know what would have been funny if, like, in L.A. Takedown, if, like, you know, Wangro shoots him, he's, like, lying in Hannah's arms, and he's just, like, you know, about to die, and Hannah just, like, shoots him in the head to say that he was the one that killed him. <laughs> God damn it. Cut to, cut to <laughs> credits. Oh, I, I just died in your arms tonight. Oh, your yes. arms tonight. Must be so pleased. I killed Patrick Solanko. Shot him in the head. And now he's fucking dead. That is L.A. Taken. Well, speaking of that, you know, we've told some jokes about music on this show today. We've but had some fun here tonight, folks. But yeah, we've had a little bit of fun. How how could you not play The Heat Is On? The Heat Is On? That is a very... 
Very good question. That song is awful and it's fucking corny. <laughs> like, dude, if that if that ended the movie, <sighs> Jesus Christ, uh, and the credits roll during the heat is on, that would be just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then LA Takedown would be as good as Heat. Oh, if they played it at the end of this, not at the end of Heat. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to fuck with Heat. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it would have been better than the song that plays at the end so we get a glimpse of the john voight character in la takedown yeah nate oh but i don't know if he's named in this one so i'm having trouble finding the actor but i've oh yeah it is it's robert winley or winley and that guy is terminator 2 yeah terminator 2 another terminator 2 connection oh and in near dark uh Huh? Yeah, he is in Near Dark. Good call, Joe. Phenomenal movie. But like that dude rules, and I almost would rather see him in Heat though than John Voight. Mm. Oh no, no. I I would rather see him play fucking Neil McCauley than Patrick Warburton Jr. the second or whatever his name is. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But I'm just saying, like, to be fair, in Heat, like Nate's character is not huge. Right? No, like, but he's great. He is. I'm just saying. <laughs> he's so sleazy. I love where Heat has expanded on this story and like, made the world a little bit more real. And I, Heat 2 oh, yeah. is a great book, an even better audio book. Mm-hmm. And since it's half prequel, half sequel, just getting more backstory to Neil and Vincent is phenomenal mm. and I, to follow chris shaherlis's character you would you would never get anything of that from watching la takedown but that character being developed in heat and then following that character into the future is awesome and i just love val mm-hmm. Kilmer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. i love val kilmer it is such a damn shame that he will not be able to reprise the role of chris shaherlis because of his uh, condition yeah the guy did get shot in the neck in the movie, right? But he doesn't die. Yeah, and he can still talk. I, th- I think he gets shot in the shoulder. I don't think he gets shot in the neck. It's in Heat too. Like the whole first part of it is him like recuperating because it's such a bad yeah thing. My only thoughts on Heat Two are just real simple. I love the book. I just thought that the Chicago stuff was a little too convenient, mm. and that's my only thing. What do you mean convenient? Do you think in Heat they took the character of Patrick from LA Takedown and kind of split him in half, and Val Kilmer is sort of half of the character that that Patrick is trying to be in LA Takedown, younger kind of slicker guy? I mean, I don't completely disagree. I don't. I don't. I could like. I could force myself to think that but i just think that like what they tried to do with patrick in this is make a cool soft-spoken guy that didn't translate well whereas like neil mccauley was just like a fully formed character yes and they didn't do anything with chris so they just actually gave like michael mann like actually gave him character traits they mentioned chris like one time but i don't think they ever call him that to his fucking face other than like when he's dying in the 
yeah vet's office and that's the other thing that character chris shaherless has like almost no screen time he's so forgettable in this and then at the end you know when he's shot yep uh patrick warburton or whatever his fucking name is selenko he's like this is the most important man to me that's ever lived (laughs) and if you let one thing happen to him i'm going to reach my hand down your throat and pull your fucking guts out of your eyeballs and it's like how oh the dumb. F- they were this close and they don't even fucking and it'll be double because... thank you so much for joining us on this thought-provoking debate about failed television pilot did you like that did you well i've got great news for you there's plenty more where that came from bucko check out piloting air wherever you get your podcast and join in on the fun at piloting air on twitter at piloting air podcast on instagram and hey if you've come across a crazy failed pilot you'd like us to cover, or if you'd just like to tell us what a bad job we're doing, email us over at pilotingair at gmail.com. We are a Bridge Murder Collective podcast. When I was governor of Minnesota, I asked the president of the United States, George W. Bush, Hey, how come we haven't released any of the secret documents the CIA has on aliens? Well, he bit all the he-dogs and winked at all the she-dogs. The town never knew such a hullabaloo as that little dog raised till the end of that.